You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So we had a nice message in worship today. You just got another one. Here comes the third. So last week, the... The one thing I said over and over and over and over again was availability is capability in the hands of God and that your yes is a gateway to real purpose. Your availability is a gateway or your availability is capability in the hands of God. And so we we really paid a lot of attention of what that looked like in terms of how collectively as a body we, we have we, we run after opportunities of ministry in our sphere of influence, our context, our community context. And this morning, we'll shift a gear and we're going to talk a little bit about the global availability um, that we have in front of us um, and how do we touch that as a body. I was raised in a local church and in a denomination that paid significant attention to, um, to mission, a global mission, and it made an indelible imprint on my life. I mean, we had missionaries over to home for dinner on, a, on, on Sunday afternoons when they would come visit. There, there was a, there, it was woven into the fabric. Thank you to, to my mom. Thank you to my church of how it got woven into my, um, my DNA. But it was, a, it was the summer of 1994 before I ever stepped foot out of the country. And I know you'll laugh when I say this, but it was Jamaica. And so, because most people, when you think Jamaica, you think Montego Bay, you think Ocho Rios, you think of the, uh, the resorts there. But Gene and I led a team of 13 uh, high schoolers into the mountains of um, Jamaica to do vacation Bible schools in the local school system. But then at night, um, I was told by the missionary that I would be preaching in the street of a town called Monique. Monique was a little nondescript little town we set up outside of a bar. That's where we got our power for it. The jail was over here. The bar was behind me. But it was a central road between Kingston and Ocherios, so it had a lot of traffic. And what we were tasked with was our students would stood up in two rows and they sang. And one of our students led them in singing. They would have sung as long as we sang now, standing outside of a bar and, uh, and with all this traffic, people getting dropped off from work and the like. And then I stood up to preach to these people. And I was more than mortified, okay? I just got to tell you that I worked my best to the, to the missionary of, I really think this is for you to do. And uh, he had um, no heart. And so he, um, he would not let me off the hook. And so I stand in the street with cars and everything. And when I finished and I gave the proclamation there, our students then went out and they would go up and down the streets because people wouldn't, wouldn't like to grab chairs and came and, you know, and sat to hear what this guy had to say. They were just along the streets and down side streets. And then our kids would go off and they would, you know, hand out candy to kids and they would ask people if there was anything they could pray with them about. And every night kids would run back to the bar to tell me of who they people, how many people that they had prayed to receive Jesus. That, that was, that was kind of my first, like, this is amazing because this shouldn't work. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, this, this, this shouldn't work. Um, 
by the end of uh, our term as being student pastors at that church, we were taking 50 high schoolers um, to that same area to do ministry. And lo and behold, that transitioned and I ended up being the missions pastor at our church in Atlanta. Now, on the installation service of becoming missions pastor, my mom insisted on flying in from New Jersey. Um, I didn't understand it. Uh, my mom made a habit of embarrassing me most, most of my life um, with stuff like this. And so can I tell you as sons, as long as your mom or dad are willing to do it, let them. Because <laughs> there'll be a time when you get old enough, right? They won't, they can't. And you'll remember these times. But she came in, and she came in because she had something specific to do. And if you've been with us for a little while, Gateway, this is not new to you, but many of you aren't. She hands me this letter. Now, it's a letter in a frame. And I read the date. I had no idea what she was doing. And I read the date, and it said December 18th, 1968. And I'm like, you have had this letter since, this was 97, so this is, this is, and, and so she hands it to me and it says, Our dear Charles, that's my real name. Thank, thank you, dear, for the 50 cents that you saved to give us to, us to us for Christmas. We really appreciate this very much. You made us feel your warm feelings towards missions. This amount goes a long way in encouraging the missionaries and the work of God. This was a missionary to Italy, okay, that was, uh, became dear friends of our family. Then she says, uh, he says, this someday you too may be working for God. Now, I was um, about to turn five. So I would have turned five on February 5th, 1969. This kind deed will not be forgotten, so we thank you again, and it made us so happy that a boy has not forgotten us. Not only this, Charles, but you have done an eternal work and given an eternal gift. And it, you would have to have known this family to know that they weren't just writing a nice note to a friend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, this was down deep in them. God bless you and keep you faithful to Jesus. Continue to pray for us as well as for all missionaries. As, your work, as you work for God, you will continue to know him better and appreciate the love of Christ who died for you that you may be saved. Five. And I'm like, Mom, I, I, I started in ministry before now. Like, I guess she didn't think student ministry was of much value. Um, <laughs> Because then I missions ministry, she pulls us out. She gives me this letter. It's been in hanging in my office, whatever office I've had since that time. As a reminder, will you grab that for me? Just as a reminder of out of sight, out of sight is not out of mind. It is in our world, right? Out of sight, out of mind, it happens in our world. It's because everything in sight is of such um, magnitude, and yet, what, what the Dufinos were trying to register with me, and then it did register in 1997, is that out of sight is never out of God's mind. And our availability, what we bring to the Lord, even, it feels so small in the context of ministry in our, in our world right now, and we even feel that much smaller when you take it outside of our context, right? How, how can that possibly be? Looking, looking for the coffee can, I just walked in. Um, how could we possibly be, have any kind of effectiveness as it relates to any kind of thing uh, global? Let me, let me point this out, that mission does not have an exclusive address, okay? The gospel doesn't come with geographic or impact limitations. It was and always has been for all nations. Matthew 28, 18 
Then Jesus came to them and, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? He, he didn't direct, he didn't divide up his audience on that particular day and say, I'm going to direct this particular comment to you. Right? You're the all nation people, not you. But, but you're the all-nation people. There, 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 was no, there was no divvying out of that. Baptizing them, in the, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And it wasn't even to take them something that we didn't have, that they didn't have. Right? Take them what you have. What, what, how have I instructed you? How have you been following me? This is what you take to them. Do, do, do you understand the significance of that? That, that? that does then bring our availability back into play. That our availability is our capability. That God equips us for what we know. I can't bring to you anything I don't have. But that which I have, you're welcome to. That, that, that's what mission is. That, that, that is not that somehow I can achieve some status that, that um, everybody should sit and listen to what I've got to say or my experience. It is I, I, what I have, I make available. And God connects those dots to make that stuff capable. And then Acts 1.8, he doubles up. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria, and he's, bringing, he's building these concentric circles from where they're starting and trying to, trying to wrestle their feathers a little bit to say where you start isn't where you end. It's where you start. That's why we call it a start. All right? All of Jerusalem, here's your start. And then in Judea, okay, I'm going to ruffle your feathers a little bit. I need you to get out of Jerusalem and make some inroads into Judea, uh, but not just Judea. Because right? now I want to ruffle you a little more because I, ne I, I need you to keep expanding the ripple of this rock that's hit the water. And now Samaria, a, a regional thing. And then and I guess he just didn't have time, right? He's, he's, about to be, he's about to ascend. So he skips to the end and just says, and to the ends of the earth. Right? That there, is, there, there is no stop. When the rock gets thrown in the lake, the ripples don't stop. They, they keep expanding out and further and further. And, and you can't even really stop those things. Your availability is capability in the hands of God. Your yes is a gateway to real purpose. I know that there are places, and I'm not saying it's a right or wrong thing. I know there's, there, there might be churches as a body that feel, they feel locked into something very specific and they go at it with all they got. No problem. I've just always been an overachiever, right? Firstborn, only child, rule five. I mean, this is me. And if we can do it, I want to do it all. And you can argue that you can't do it all well, but I'm just rather do as much as I can, as good as we can, okay? And so as a body, in my opinion is, I, I just don't, I just, I just feel a little constricted if we can't open our eyes to someplace bigger than our county, Right? Bigger than our city. The city and county significant, right? We, we know I've been here 16 years. Even though people that's born and raised here, I'm still an outsider. But I feel like an insider. And I'll just tell you, 16 years here, it just increases. The, 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 the need for a gospel witness has increased in our city and our county. Do you understand that? 
16 years ago, you, you'd have a hard time. I know needs existed, right? But, but you'd go, oh, to find real needs, we'd have to go down to Nashville. Can I, can I tell you this is significant beyond just, real, just tangible needs? These are gospel needs, right? All, all of our actions, all of our hands should always lead to the gospel, should always lead to the cross. It might not be where you start, but it's where we end up. All right, so I have found that local and global mission works really, really well around a relational connection where there's a relational connect with, with a partner and where there's missional congruity, where, where we're after the same things, right? Because everybody does mission. Um, there's always good places to be a part of and good projects to be a part of and good organizations to be a part of, right? So how do you choose? How do you say yes and no? Because you have to say yes and no, right? You just have to. Well, where is there relational connection where we can do this together and enjoy doing this with one another? And where is there missional congruity? Where, where we're, we're after the same things, but listen, together we move the needle more, right? So this is the value of a local church, that you can have a heart for mission, global and local, and you can do your thing, and I want you to do your thing, but something significant happens when then we also find the circle where we work together on something. Right? Then we're really, we're really driving things because it's a synergistic relationship with your gifts and resources and talents, with the opportunities provided, and man, you can, just, you can drop bigger and bigger boulders in that lake. You follow me? You get to drop bigger and bigger boulders in this lake. Um, here are the four that we are engaged with. First, let me say um, uh, to all of, all of our men and women in, in the room or watching who served, um, uh, in the armed services, Veterans Day was Friday. I'm going to segue into this particular mission because it connects, but can I say thank you, and from a body to say thank you for your active service. You, if you ha I have not served. My father served. I have not served. There is no way for me to completely understand the sacrifice of your service, um, but I can appreciate it as much as I can possibly appreciate it. And so publicly to say thank you for how you have served. Now, it's interesting. There is a couple in our congregation, Brian and Jenny Human, who have a ministry to military kids. We've talked about this over multiple years. It's called Jacob's Generation. This is, their, this is just their... their um, so you, anyone to find out more information about Jacob's Gen, that's the... Um, the address, but this is what they're, they're, they say as their aim. Now know that there are plenty of people that read this that aren't believers, so this is why the, the language has to be couched in this manner. It is our aim to support our troops by supporting their families. This is accomplished through events, camps, retreats, but also through mentoring, building a positive peer environment for youth and providing resources to volunteers, parents, pastors, and the students to help them cope with the stresses of military life utilizing a vast network of volunteers, community leaders, parents, and churches. Our services are based within military communities where these families live and work worldwide. By Tree Change of Life has funded tour buses for this ministry each of the last two or three summers. I can't necessarily recall the year where, where going to the camp um, it costs money for the parents to send their kids to camp, but the transportation's covered. I'm talking about bases all over Italy, all over Western Europe. And so Buy a Tree, Change a Life is a funding engine for our ministry. It, I, it's not that I just like talking about selling Christmas trees. I don't care if we ever put up a Christmas tree in our house again since the last nine years we've been doing Buy a Tree. Okay? 
I mean, artificial, not draw one on a wall. I don't care. But I will stand out there in the rain and cold to sell one because it is the funding engine for a lot of what we do, okay? And then uh, we helped them go to the Ukraine to lead um, a camp for NATO forces for Ukrainian families that are fighting in special forces. Their families came over by NATO into the space in Brussels, and we as a congregation, through your regular ties and offering giving, okay? Because when you're faithful in your giving, it allows us as a church to say yes to opportunity. Stuff that we would not have been able to know about. Would have no idea that a NATO commander would ask two people sitting in our congregation to lead a camp for Ukrainian forces. Who, you can't think that stuff up. But when it costs six grand to get them over there, yes. No, Jeannie, you don't need to spend 40 hours on a telephone trying to drum up $6,000. We'll write you a check. Right? That's amazing when we do this, when we do this together, even just regular ties and offering giving allows those kind of yes. So we're, we're partnered in with Jacob's Generation. It's a great organization. Actually, they're leading a, a weekend outside of an, I, the, the base. Some of you might recognize it, but I can't. It's an uh, army base outside of Augusta, Georgia. They're there this weekend doing something there. So that's that. The second is, uh, it's called 60 Feet. Okay, 60feet.org. All right, 60 Feet is a new connect partnership with us, with our kids ministry, um, championed by Tyler and Lisa Powell. Um, it's a mission to bring hope and restoration to the imprisoned children of Africa in Jesus' name. Our vision is to provide a gospel-centered continuum of care for critically vulnerable children that includes minimizing contact with the law, providing for critical needs, and supporting long-term restoration. I can't even wrap my brain around prison for kids. I, that's something I can't even connect all the dots with. Um, but that's, that's what's happening in this particular country, and they have given us entree through this organization, 60 Feet. So last two years for Vacation Bible School, we provided netting, mosquito netting, and mattresses. If you, if you might remember that over the summer, that goes, that's been going to this organization. Our kids' ministry have connected with 60 Feet, and that's kind of their big push and outreach. Um, third was last year, Jameson Creel, a friend of mine, stood up here um, and spoke a couple times for us and was transitioning out of Israel where he had ran a school in Bethlehem primarily for Arabs. Now, make all that work, okay? Christian school, predominantly Muslim Arabs kids. Proves the point. When you offer a great educa education in English, you're just going to attract people, all right, depending on your work. Now, after 20-some years of ministry there, he felt the Lord challenging him and his family to move to Athens, Greece, because millions of Arab refugees were coming through Athens. It was a staging ground for them to get into Western Europe and Turkey. And here were people then who had, you know, they were... Um, risked their lives. They did everything that refugees do in order to try to find a better life. And they land in Athens. And he said, listen, I can't get to Syria. I can't get to Afghanistan. No one's going to let me into Iraq. But Iraqis and Syrians and Afghans are coming to Athens, Greece, to try to get into Western Europe. So since they're coming here, let's do something here. And so beginning learning centers around English and then Bible studies, 
They're beginning this push, and he stood up here, and I told you they needed $25,000 to transition, and you gave $62,000. The significance of that is, is the visa and other laws started changing, and in order for him to get there, it literally took almost all, every penny of that to transition his family of, I don't know, seven with housing and everything else to get set up. And he's set up now, and things are ready to go. And that is what we can do together, right? This is what we do together. Could someone in the room written a check for $60,000? More than likely. More than likely. But in one afternoon, all of us took care of that. And that was amazing. And that moves us to, come on up, guys. That moves us to our longest standing partnership is in Cambodia. We had just bought, uh, we had just built our first building. We had only been in that building uh, September of that particular year, and I took off for Cambodia um, a couple months after that. And I uh, went with a bunch of pastors to see a work um, called PCL, People for Care and Learning, in Cambodia. And I remember getting into this town called Siem Reap, and I'm sitting, and they're making a presentation, of a, at, and it's at a farm, which I'm sure these guys will talk about. And the, it was a young Cambodian man who was just being discipled, just starting to dip his toe into ministry in that village. And they held up a picture of the property they wanted to buy for the first church in this village. And it was the mirror image of our property. I mean, literally, it looked like the state of Alabama. I hate, I hate using that word up here, but that's what, it, that's, that's what it looked like. And the Lord spoke in my heart in that moment. I don't know where you land on that, but I, there was no ignoring it. God said, buy that piece of property. Well, we had just been building that building. I said, I don't know how in the world I go back to a congregation that we've been giving for three years to get into this building. And now I'm going to say, I've committed you to buy this piece of property in a, a place you've never been, right? But when they told me it was nine grand, I went, okay, that may be doable. And I stood up probably only the third or fourth service we'd ever been in the old building. I stood up to a small congregation. And I said, this piece of property is nine grand. I believe God told us to buy it. I, this is not my MO. I don't usually commit you to stuff without us talking about it. But I, I, as much as I know anything, we're supposed to buy that. And the church gave $12,000. Now, why was that significant? Because once they started realizing there was another organization involved in buying that, and not just, those, not just Cambodians, the price went to $12,000. But we gave it. Now, they're going to tell you a little bit of what, what already sits there, where that has gone from. But again, major buy-in for me around buy a tree is because half of those funds go to support this ministry in Cambodia. So half. The other half we use for some of the stuff we just talked about with kids locally. And because of the generosity of our sponsors this year, every penny, every penny anybody walks on property with, we're going to be able to turn around and give that away in a very significant fashion. So we've, what we've done is now we've leveraged the work of our congregation to numbers that we couldn't necessarily get to, right? Because now the community has get involved and they just love it's a good idea. They may be a believer or not a believer, but they just love it's a good idea that they're giving it away. I mean, even the city of Franklin has is having trouble getting Christmas trees for Dickens of Christmas and they've contacted by a tree and asked if we could help. I mean, my answer is no, but I'm saying... I, <laughs> You know, 
Franklin needs Christmas trees and you want me to, do, but listen, there's something there. I'm going to, I'm going to chase it down. We'll see what God's going to do with that. Um, but that's when we start then stepping out and, and involving a bigger, a bigger group of people. So um, Darren and Becky have led by a tree uh, since its inception and um, been in Cambodia and now led our first team in Cambodia. And so I'm going to let the team kind of share their experience. Thanks, Charlie. Um, so, um, good morning. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say thank you to Charlie for um, trusting Darren and I to lead the team. Um, I think I can speak for all of us in saying that we don't have any Bible training. I mean, except for like the old New Testament class I took in college. Um, we're not pastors. We're not, you know, not, not qualified except for very available. Um, and so to what Charlie said, um, I'd like to brag on our team. They were an incredibly serving, hardworking team um, and made themselves available and God, God provided the, the capabilities to do what we did. Um, so we had a really great trip um, and I'm excited for you to get to hear from our team and hear what, what all we got to do there. Um, what we had no idea, Darren and I and probably Charlie, when we first started by a tree and we met Isaac, we did not know um, what an impactful organization People for Care and Learning was, um, or how strategic God was in placing them in Cambodia. Um, so Darren's going to share a little bit more about what PCL is and what they do. Um, but I just wanted to share a little bit about the need for the gospel in Cambodia and, and the importance of kind of what they're doing there. Um, so first of all, I want to show this map with you guys. You have to stop watching the pictures for just a second. Okay, so inside this circle, that kind of purple circle there, represents over half of the population in the world. So wrap your brains around that. Half of the population in the world lives inside of that circle. The diameter, that's like, if you don't know from the former math teacher, that's side to side through the center, is 5,000 miles. And right there in the center, that kind of darker purple one, trust me on this, is Cambodia. So, the, so Cambodia sits in the center of the circle that contains over half of the people in the world. Now, Charlie talked a couple of weeks ago about the 1040 window, which is like longitude, latitude, I don't really know all of the details, but it's, it represents the most unreached people in the world. So that circle sits inside of that 1040 window. So not only do more than half the people live there, they're also the most unreached people in the world as well. So, hold on, I have to open my phone back up. Um, we didn't know any of this when we first started working for Cambodia and selling Christmas trees and all that kind of stuff, but God knew, and he knew that we would get to go to essentially the epicenter of the most unreached people in the world. Um, okay, so Cambodia is officially a Buddhist country. Um, that's like their official religion of their country, but the, the beliefs of the, of the people are primarily animism, which um, they basically attribute souls and spirits to inanimate objects, to past relatives, things like that. Um, so they have a very strong belief in the spirit world. Um, and most homes and businesses have little spirit houses out front where they'll um, give offerings to the spirits to ward away evil spirits and to, you know, to please the good spirits. Um, and it's an extremely ingrained thing in their culture, and it, so it makes it really difficult for them to abandon those ties that, that tie them to their family and their culture. Um, so that makes, that makes converting to Christianity really difficult for them. It's considered 82% Buddhist, and according to the Joshua Project, which is a really interesting website if you are interested in kind of statistics around this stuff, it's about 3.5% Christian. There's varying 
statistics on that, but I got it from there. Um, so given the history of Cambodia, they went through a civil war, they've been through a genocide. Um, the fact that they've done all of that without the hope of Jesus is really staggering. Um, that said, though, there's really, really incredible things happening there. Again, according to the Joshua Project, the evangelical growth rate in Cambodia is 8.8% compared to the global rate of 2.8%. So that epicenter of those, all of those people, all of those unreached people is really growing, which is really exciting. So you're going to hear our team talk about Takam. Um, it's a village that we spent a lot of time in and, how what's, and, and what's happening there and how it started with literally one man riding his bike around. Um, but just a, a, just a little story about that village and the impact that the gospel is having there. So first of all, this, the, where the, the land that Charlie talked about is it sits um, in this property. And according to regulation to put a church there, you, it has to be no more than or no less than five kilometers from any Buddhist temple that's around and right where it sits, it's close to three different Buddhist temples. And it is 5.1 kilometers from one and like 5.4 kilometers from another. So you talk about the strategic placing of that village and how God worked that out. It's pretty incredible. Um, so this, this village, or the, the temple, the closest one there um, that we would drive past every time we would go out to the village um, is called Wat Takam. And it has been known as one of the most powerful temples in the area. Um, there was a powerful monk who was also a witch doctor, and people would come from all over um, to go see this particular monk um, and have him settle disputes and all kinds of things. But since the church has been there for about 10 years, the people around there will tell you that the power of that temple has decreased dramatically um, since they've been there. So super exciting for us. I know we, we have so many stories to share and we had to whittle it down to one each, but um, it, super exciting for us to get to be partnering with believers on the literal other side of the world, um, advancing the gospel. So I'm going to let Darren share a little bit more about what PCL is involved in and what we were able to do in Cambodia. All right. So the PCL team is based, uh, that's based in Cambodia is a strong and passionate team. They're comprised of almost all um, native Cambodians. Um, they range from pastors to teachers to just wholehearted servants. Um, and they're well invested in their community because they all have had their own transformations with Jesus. Uh, it's, it's a big deal in Cambodia for someone to publicly declare that they're a Christian. It's not always well received by family and friends. Uh, the team there runs two church communities, one in Takam, one in Straw. They also run their own um, campus of school. And at this school, they'll teach English and also technology. And this is outside of the regular public schools. And then they also have an integrated farm that shows all the locals how to best farm and add more practices to their own farm and their own property. So uh, we were the first team to go since the pandemic. Uh, we were able to go and partner with them. And our objective was simple. We wanted to love on their, their people, love on their community, and do as much as we possibly could. It's a big deal for us to come in because they can advertise for specific events and uh, focus on Jesus. Um, and this, it provides a lot of trust and more relationship there with community. So we focused on two vacation Bible schools and these two events were in two separate villages and we saw over 600 kids and many of the kids even came from other villages on tractor carts 
and it took them as much as two hours to get there. Uh, and this was to hear about Jesus for the first time for many of them. Uh, we did songs, we did games, we did crafts, we did all kinds of things. Our next partnership was uh, to go into the, to those school classrooms and give them a chance to practice their English with Westerners. So we got a chance to be with over 200 students, uh, let them practice English. Uh, in, in Cambodia, when they go into town for a job, the first two questions they're asked are, do you know English? And can you work a computer? So a, a Cambodian can go from poverty to middle class immediately with these skills. So as you can imagine, we were completely blessed by the team, being a part of their community. But because of, because of the pandemic and because it was even harder on the community there in, in Cambodia, uh, their, their restrictions were even tighter than they were here in the United States. We wanted to really bless that community, so we focused some time with them as well where we gave back and served them with a specific night uh, where they had games and, and a cookout, and it was just a lot of fun. Okay, um, so uh, we're going to get to hear from our team, um, and we hope that our personal stories can really highlight how Gateway's mission, A Fresh Start, Great Friends, Real Purpose, um, has been impacted from our time there. So, But before we hear from our team here, we do have one stool empty down there. Uh, Mary Duff couldn't be here today, so she put together this little video, so I want you to enjoy Cambodia through her eyes. So first story we're going to hear from is Matt. Uh, Matt, why don't you let us, let us know what impacted you the most from your time there? 
Jumripsuwa Gateway. That's how you say hello in Kamai over there. Um, so it was just a really special time, and that, that last photo of all of us standing there, man, that, that hit me hard. That was, it was hard to say goodbye to all of them, but one thing I really wanted to talk about was the guy who was riding his bicycle around that Becky alluded to. His name was Sign. He's a special guy. Um, it really just brought back to what Charlie's been saying about capability or, or availability is capability in the hands of God. And this man um, just embodies that, uh, you know, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. He got out there um, when he came to Christ on his bicycle and through Tacom, which was the village where we spent most of our time. He, he was riding around and just sharing the gospel with everybody he met, all his friends, all the people, his family and community. And basically due in part to this man and obviously God working through him and in the village because, you know, God is, he's the Lord of the harvest and he's the one that brought all the people to him. But through sign, he was able to lead most of the village to Christ. And it went from just like a handful of people to, it just kind of like radiated out from this one area of the town. And Isaac, the uh, Cambodian director, he was the one uh, working with us. He's been over there 10 years now. He was just showing us that this area of Takam is now mostly Christian. It went from being like primarily Buddhist, but this area was mostly Christian, and God was just really working and moving in that area because you saw the uh, the value of the homes were greater in that area. The people were happier in that area. Everybody was friendly, inviting, and welcoming, and so you could just see. And you know, obviously, like prosperity just isn't like a part of like God. He's just not like prosperity gospel or anything, but you could see the lives of people were greatly improved, and God was just blessing those people and pouring out on them, and it was just, it was incredible to see that you could see God really moving, and it wasn't just like, you know, a small feeling, but you could just feel the spirit deep down saying that these people have a strong, real community and connection and, and strong, real purpose in their new identity in Christ, and it all came from that one man saying, I was available, and he wanted to go out and share the gospel. And even the pastor of the, the church was uh, saved by the efforts of this man's sign. So it was a special time, and just glad that I got to be a part of it in a small way. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, you can clap. That was good. <laughs> all right. So next up, Greg. Greg's going to share a little bit about how he got connected to Cambodia and what it was like to go. Well, when Isaac first showed up here to Gateway to, to share his story and share about his love for Cambodia and the people, he talked about the way they were connecting to the Cambodians with the Learning Center, with the uh, um, Common Grounds, and with the form. It, it really kind of resonated with me to think about how Gateway has fresh starts, real friends, and um, help me, Charlie, real purpose. Real purpose. <laughs> so great friends and real purpose. And, and, and it just, I could tell that, that, that they bonded together. And then the more Isaac, I learned about Isaac, and he told the story of the form, we connected. And he talked about how that they were teaching the local formers how to have a sustainable form. And then that friendship budded right there. And then it became a partnership when he told the story of how he smuggled sweet potato draws into Cambodia to introduce a new crop to them. And, 
and through that, um, we went to Cambodia, and I got to see it in action. And when you see the form, it was amazing. I, there's no way to explain. They waste nothing. Everything is utilized to the max. And while we were at the form, I really got to watch the interaction between Sine and Isaac. And you could tell there was a bond there. And there was a friendship because, you know, Sine was the mentor for Isaac when he got to Cambodia. He taught him the language. He taught him the customs. But there was more. And it was their love for God. And then it was even more because it was about their desire to share the gospel with the people in Cambodia. And every time I step on that lot since I've got back, there's a different feeling here. And I've been on that lot a lot in the last nine years. And um, when I'm there now, I see faces. And so if you're not engaged in Buy a Tree, I'm going to encourage you to get engaged because it's making a difference. Thanks, Greg. For my northern friends, he was saying farm, <laughs> not form. <laughs> All right. Um, next up is Bryce. So Bryce is going to tell us what was exciting, why he wanted to go to Cambodia, because it's really not a top destination spot for 14, 15-year-olds. Uh, so yeah, for me, um, I've gotten the opportunity to help sponsor one of the kids who uh, lives there in a children's home. And so I'd been sending letters and emails to him, talking to him before. But um, for me, it was super cool to get to go meet him and get to go talk to him and, you know, kind of see him in person because, you know, just sending letters is, is one thing, but to actually get to see where the money goes and uh, see how he's doing was super awesome. And for me, they had a bunch of other kids all my age in the children's home and uh, getting to see how they serve the Lord, how they love the Lord um, was super, super refreshing to see um, other people my age, you know, worshiping the Lord in a different way uh, halfway across the world. So, for me, that was super exciting, and that was a big reason why I wanted to go. Thanks, Bryce. Charlie, I'm sure that Bryce can sympathize with you on moms making too big of a deal about things. Um, it was really special for us to get to share this with Bryce. All right, Angie's up next. Um, Angie's going to tell us what stood out to her most about her time there. First of all, I want to thank all of y'all who supported, encouraged, and prayed for us. I personally felt the prayers very much, and I'm very appreciative. And when we walked around to Calm, and we went to Saran, saw that the only thing which is there yet, this little one-room house on stilts that they have church in the shade of, to know that I'm a part of a church that is so giving and so mission-minded, I just commend you, and I'm and I'm humbled and honored to be a part of this body of believers. In the lead up to our trip, in the Wednesday morning Bible, Bible study, we did Christy McClellan's newest study, The Gospel on the Ground, which is a study in Acts. And the key verse was Acts 1-8, which Charlie had up on the screen. And the subtitle of it is The Grit and the Glory of the First Century Believers. And I saw such parallels there to that 
um, Charlie has, has spoken before about the, our need for grit. And these people have grit to the max. I mean, they are in a country where everyone predominantly, at the best, is just indifferent. And at the worst, can be downright hostile to Christians. But they, they serve God with such a zeal that it's just so humbling to watch their tenacity and their perseverance and their determination. And the glory of God is so evident when you walk on any of those properties. You just feel the presence of the Lord. And I'm glad that Darren did touch on the fact that PCL's not a bunch of Americans over there. It's predominantly Cambodians teaching, ministering, mentoring Cambodians. And to watch the way that staff loves each other and supports each other and just has such teamwork and such a desire to minister to the people there. It, it, it's just truly touching. And like Greg said, you know, we've, we've been involved in the tree lot since the get-go, and it's, it's always been a neat, fun thing. A lot of work, but a lot of fun and very fulfilling. But Thursday, when those trees come off that truck, y'all will be seeing trees but I'll be seeing faces, beautiful Cambodian faces that are learning English and computer skills, that are learning techniques and being equipped through the farm to feed their families. And most of all, people being taught about the love of God, the joy of salvation, the hope of heaven. That's what I'll be seeing as those trees come off the truck. And I too just would, well, unashamedly challenge all of you. If you've signed up, great. Think about signing up for another shift or two. And if you haven't signed up, Shame on you. <laughs> Thanks, Angie. All right, lastly, we have Hannah. Hannah's going to tell us about her time there. Hello, friends. I am so excited. Okay, um, so it wouldn't have been possible to do the VBS or anything without our translators. And God is not a God of coincidences. Um, it is... Not a coincidence that I was able to work with Pena, uh, who was my translator for the crafts. He, um, I'm going to share a little bit of his testimony. Uh, he speaks English very well. He can go anywhere and honestly make a lot more money than what he's doing at PCL. But he got into a little bit of trouble 
And he decided, you know what, I'm going to stay and I'm going to challenge God. And he said, God, if you're a real God, if I'm going to abandon the faith that I've been taught since childhood, if I'm going to take the foreigner's God, I want a guitar. Doesn't seem like a big thing, just a big guitar. And um, through a camp, he actually got a guitar a couple of months ago. And he messaged the guy who gave it to him online, and he said, hey, why did you give me this guitar? And the man said three simple words, or four. <laughs> God told me to. From then on, he said, okay, that's it. He abandoned his beliefs that he was taught when he was a child, and he went and decided to work for PCL, and he said, I'm going to learn about God, and I'm going to teach kids about music, and I'm going to teach them a gospel. And I was talking to him while we were working there, and I was asking him about his story and his life and what he wanted to do with that. And he said, I want to teach kids the gospel. I, I really want to get a keyboard for, for PCL. I want to be able to start music lessons with that. And I said, well, that's really cool. Uh, can you read music? He said, no, I can't read music, but I'm sure I'll find out somehow. And I said, well, would you like to learn? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I can teach you. He said, you would do that? I said, yeah. So from his fresh start of a new guitar, um, he has now found a great friend. I mean, I won't say me, but a good community. But like, you know, he's had a great friend too uh, that's teaching him music. But now he has a real purpose to spread the gospel and guitar and spread music and teach kids about the gospel. So that is just amazing. And God told me that when I was over there, you know, that I was uncomfortable, but I was comfortable. In America, we're very comfortable in our comfortableness, but over there, you know, we don't know the culture, so it's very uncomfortable in my uncomfortableness. And he said, from going there, not knowing the culture, not knowing anything, having that servant's heart and being available, he said, from that heart, from that mindset, I wrote the Great Commission. And that is why we go, and that is why we serve, and that is why we do. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Preach, Hannah. <laughs> all right, so for the record, it's late. Charlie talked too long. We were supposed to have more time. <laughs> um, so it's not our fault. Um, anyways. I, I want to echo what Angie said. Thank you all so much for praying for us, for encouraging us, for giving um, for us to be able to go on this trip. It would not have been possible. And again, I want to say a big thank you to, the, to our team. I am not joking when I tell you I never heard anyone complain. Like, really, I mean, except for maybe Bryce. But I, like, and that was a couple times. It, it, was, it was an incredible trip. Your prayers were felt um, it, we were uncomfortable at times, but it was just, it was an amazing trip. And so again, thank you so much for praying for us and for providing for us. Amen. Amen. Jason, Jason, come on back up. You know, each of them either wrote a check or raised three grand, three grand to go. Uh, we've given, you probably gave some as a church and, and I want to say, um, what a great representation, not just of the kingdom, but what a great representation of our church, you know? I mean, that's, that's what makes you just kind of bubble up inside, you know? What a great representation from our church. Um, so I, there's nothing really to add what they said. Um, availability is capability in the hands of God. 
and our yes is a gateway to a real purpose. Just is. We can do more things here because they're available. It doesn't stop us from doing more things there in the places I've talked about. And, and I also want to say to echo Angie, it's, it's wonderful to be a part of a place um, that wants to be bigger than a place. You know, it's amazing. Um, Ryan, Kim, boys, come on up here. Um, so spiritual influence it has been kind of what God's challenged me with to plant gateway is that there are um, Matthew to your scripture that the fields are white to harvest and um, and when I asked the Lord what why would he drop Gene and I when we had spent nine years um, working with unreached people groups why would he drop us in Nashville that had more churches than McDonald's <laughs> And the answer to that prayer was that Nashville wasn't a place that imported influence. It was a place that exported influence. That was, his, that was the words that I understood God to answer that prayer with. All right. Well, that, that causes some anxiety because that means people come and people go. Right. And, and, it, and it's the same way when, when, um, when you have a staff pastor and family that comes in, loves on the church, and then God says it's time to go. So Ryan and Kim have accepted a lead pastor position in uh, Legacy Church in Pensacola, Florida. Um, um, so this, they'll start, next, I guess yours next Sunday, next Sunday. So he'll go from doing the announcements here and doing our student ministry to next Sunday, um, standing in front of a group of people that he will, and Kim and the boys will grow to love as they grow to love them. It's a, it's a unique part of pastoral ministry that you can't really put your finger on of how God can connect hearts and then move to connect new hearts. Um, it's, uh, it's not easy on congregations. It's not easy on families. Believe me, it's not easy being on this side of the fence saying goodbye. Um, but we love you. We bless you. Um, I truly do believe that God has sending you in this time and that your experiences here not didn't just leave a thumbprint on us but that we left a thumbprint on you and uh, we're gonna miss your boys immensely and my partner we were starting to become a pretty good force in the cornhole uh, we, ex we expanded out into axe throwing at the men's event and i'll just have to nurture me a new person um, Darren and Greg are elders here. Would you guys pray with me to, to, since you're both standing right here as I anoint this family and um, some kind of part of our kind of faith tradition of you can't come up here and lay your hand on them per se, but could you rest your hand towards this way as we pray for them? Lord, I thank you for the Trawick family. Lord, from these boys, Lord, to their mom and their dad. And we thank you for this family and they're saying yes years and years and years ago. And we never can map out our own path. And it's uncomfortable not being able to do that, Lord. But then you keep showing up and you keep showing up and you keep showing up and you keep showing up. And I thank you for what they've implanted in our families and our students here. I bless them. With whatever power, Lord, you give us as a body, Lord, we bless them in the name of Jesus. And we pray that they would, this would be another, another fresh beginning for them. Lord, I, I pray that you would 
swamp them and the boys with friends. Great quality, life-giving relationships. And as now they live out their called purpose in a new context, may it be fruitful in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Will you give them uh, a welcome? We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.